What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. You guys, my book is out. I mean, it is out in the world. I cannot believe it. I have been writing it for several years and it's just mind-blowing. Birth Story, Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal is a -a one-of-a-kind discovery into your pregnancy that provides you education through storytelling. So what's it really about? In the 16 years that I have served women with every personality type, I noticed there was a huge disconnect between what my clients were craving for childbirth education in a book and the books that were actually available on the market. There seemed to be unlimited resources if you are looking for an unmedicated birth or a natural birth or a home birth. But there just weren't a lot of resources for my clients who were part of the 92% of women birthing in a hospital and very much open to medical interventions like an epidural, nitrous oxide, and opioid medications. So I wrote that book to fill the gap for you. Week by week throughout your pregnancy, you will engage with material meant to educate and empower you as you plan for your own birth story, hospital, medicated, unmedicated, or something in between. You are welcomed each week with a postcard from the womb, which is an adorable note from your baby about their miraculous development, as well as the amazing changes occurring within you. Then you are invited to use an uplifting birth affirmation and to respond to an introspective journaling prompt to document your feelings, curiosities, and wonders every single week. With room to memorialize your own birth story, this book will become a memory keeper and a legacy gift for your baby. You are encouraged to read one of my favorite birth stories each week filled with childbirth education, tidbits, and explanations of important medical terms and procedures. These are real-life accounts shared with permission from the births that I've attended during my career as a doula, and I gave you a great mix. In the 42-week guide to your pregnancy and 42 birth stories, seven of them end in cesarean section. About half are unmedicated and the other half are medicated deliveries. This is a judgment-free book. So take what you need from each element and leave the rest. Okay, are you ready to buy? I would love for you to go to birthstory.com and buy it directly from me. But I totally get it if you're an Amazon girl. You can head to amazon.com and just type in birthstory pregnancy and the book should pop up. I'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. And I would venture to say that you might be an audiobook kind of woman because you're listening to a podcast. So if you would prefer to listen to this book, then I have recorded it and it is available for download at audible.com or on your Audible app. Thank you for being part of the birth story community. I'm so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at Birth Story Podcast. On today's podcast, we have Derek and Sarah that are here. Sarah is so cute, pregnant with baby number two. And I'm bringing these guys on because, full disclosure, they're some of my best friends. 
I got to be part of their birth story, but not for the whole entire thing. And so I just can't wait to hear their perspective on baby number one as the labor and delivery of baby number two is about to come. So, hey guys. Hi. All right. So Derek's so (laughs) nervous that he has like a Mike's Harder lemonade. I'm going to start with you, Derek. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to before Sarah was pregnant and tell me about like what the process to get pregnant was like. Just tell me about that time (laughs) and what it was like leading leading up to that pregnancy and then finding out Sarah was pregnant. Mm. Oh, that's a whole podcast in and of itself because I, there wasn't, you know, you'd think that that would be a lot of fun, but it was kind of traumatic, I think, for us because it wasn't planned and we were early, you know, months into our marriage and trying to figure that out and we're already kind of having some fears and problems and um, just anxieties about what, you know, the health of our marriage was going to look like and... um then we're pregnant on what felt like to me the first try almost yeah so you know well there's gonna be a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that have kind of that same reaction and aren't even married so I think it's really important to hear all the types of how I got pregnant stories not just oh my god we were trying forever and it was great you know so you guys weren't you were not trying to get pregnant Shia Mm -hmm. her name's baby Shia that's what my kids yeah. call her, at least Baby Shia. So Baby Shia just showed up. So, yeah. You want me to tell you how that, like, what that looked like for, I mean, three months. I was, you know, devastated, kind of. So, let me chime in. Sarah, so unplanned pregnancy. How old were you when you got pregnant with Shia? Oh, geez. Um, I think I was 35, 36. 36. Okay. Wait, 30. I have no idea. I don't even know how old, how old am I now? How old are, 37, 35. We were. Okay. So you were 35. After 30, I stopped counting. Okay. So 35 newlyweds, like not trying. How did you know you were pregnant? Oh, I felt terrible. Right away? Oh yeah. I felt terrible. And my, my breasts were enlarged and really tender. And that was probably, oh goodness, a couple of weeks. Did you have a regular period that you missed? I did, yeah. Okay, so did you tell Derek right away? How did that work? I did not. I took the exam one morning before we went to church, okay. and I was in utter shock, and I needed several hours to just ingest the new material that my brain is receiving, and I told him after church. Okay, so you knew for a couple of hours. Yes. That's pretty good. You told Derek. I did. Now, he's telling us right now that this was, like, kind of shocking to him, but what was his reaction? Like, how did you perceive his reaction at the time? I honestly can't remember, because I, I think I was so stunned. I was so shocked that it was happening as well, because mm-hmm. it definitely wasn't planned, and um, I, I don't think I was really grounded in the new material that was coming across my way, and so it took me a while to absorb that this is this is really happening. So I, I don't think I was like fully... Um, you didn't mindful care. of what was going on for him. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, you didn't really care. Yeah, no, right no. At that point, that makes sense. Um, at this point, you said you were feeling awful, but had you like vomited or anything early on? I so probably the first several months, I was very sick, nausea, vomiting, um, just felt terrible. So yeah, some of the physical symptoms were starting at this point, and I, I think I was only a couple of weeks along, but I, I just had the physical symptoms and then missed period, and then you take the the, the test, and it's like, yep, okay. she's here. Now, how many, did you just take one test, or I did. did you take multiple tests? One test. Did you like later go back to the store, or did you just believe the one test? I believe the one test, and also what I was feeling in my body, I'm like, I know. Yeah, I know. this is so different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Derek, you were kind of shocked. Both of you guys were shocked. So what did the next couple of months look like as you accepted the pregnancy and Sarah wasn't feeling good? Like from a dad's perspective that wasn't expecting to have a baby right then 
And on top of it, your wife was not feeling good. So just raw. What were those couple of months like? Brutal. It was just not good. You know, I wouldn't, I wasn't a dad. You know, a lot of people say, you know, well, dads don't become dads until the day they hold their child. But I don't think that's true. You, when you start to see the physical effects and if you have a good relationship, I think that, you know, it's pretty real. Um, but it wasn't real to me. And, you know, um, being somebody who always was kind of like, um, I won't say like a passionate pro-life person, but that argument made sense to me more and still does. But, you know, all of that was kind of on the table in my head because to me it felt like if we have this child, our um, relationship is going to end. It'll be the death of our marriage if we have a child right now. And so my focus was not on you know, this, um, life and their, um, deservingness of, of having a life. It was, um, my life and my marriage and, you know, what is the probability of success in, in that. And it didn't seem like this was going to do anything, but drive a stake in it. Yeah. I think it's really valid to hear you say that, um, at least it sounds like that you were more interested in that point in being a husband than you were in being a dad. If you could go back to that moment. Well, yeah, only because, I mean, I always wanted to eventually be a dad. That was the purpose, a big purpose in getting married and finding, you know, um, the right wife as was in my mind as somebody who's going to be a good mom. But we were, you know, six months into a marriage that wasn't going how either of us had planned. So to me, I just couldn't, there's no way I could warp speed into like time to, you know, you know, transform into super dad. And like, that wasn't, to me, there was still a chance, whether it be nature or our own intervention, that this could not come to fruition. And in my head, I was fully convinced that if that happened, we would have a better chance of succeeding at our marriage, which seems absurd now because it, it actually fixed a lot of things. Yeah, I was and, like, and here you are a couple of years that. later with baby number two, so. But they say it doesn't do that. Not for everybody. That's, so anybody yeah, so listening, the, don't take that as advice, but I'm, I'm glad that we're sitting here in this circumstance and that you guys are being so honest about that. So Sarah, you weren't feeling good. And then you get to that 20-week ultrasound. Did you have an ultrasound before that? We had an ultrasound. I believe I was about five or six weeks pregnant. Okay. And at that point, did you did you get to see the heartbeat? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. I, I heard her, and I saw saw her on the ultrasound screen, and it was it just was amazing. And Derek, were you at that appointment? Was I? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you... Um, <laughs> Do you remember, did that change anything for you? Like seeing the actual baby so. in the heart rate beat? No. Okay. So still, I mean, that's really early. That's a really early, that's a confirmation ultrasound. So that's really early. I mean, the baby kind of looks like a tadpole, not even like with flippers, not even a real baby at that point. So um, she's a dot, <laughs> a little dot. Exactly. Like in that flicker yeah, is maybe yeah. a heartbeat. Okay. So let's fast forward to about like 13 weeks. If I remember correctly, you got a, did you get the blood test done for gender? I did. It was, it was, I want to say like the 16th week, probably okay. 15th, 16th. So just early confirmation. So yes. how does that, like, I didn't do that. So what does that look like? Do they just take your blood and send it off? Took our blood, send it off to a lab and called you. There's no genetic um, concerns and it's a girl. Very cool. Did that? Did your insurance pay for that? No. So that was cash money. Yeah. How much was? How much did that cost? That one cost. Oh goodness, maybe two hundred dollars. Oh. And the second go round was um, for this second baby. It was seven fifty, and you get a voucher from some nonprofit for about four hundred dollars. I can't remember who the nonprofit is. So. 
Um, so it ends up being like a couple, couple hundred more. That's a lot of money. So is that just, did your insurance changed? No, the doctor changed the lab locations okay. that they used. So. so it became out of network then? Correct. Okay. Yeah. They were both so, out of network. Okay. Well, that's a good range. So somewhere between 200 and $800 yeah. to yeah. do genetic testing and find out the gender. So you get to the 20-week ultrasound, and then did Derek get to come to that one? Derek, I, to my recollection, he probably went to at least three-fourths of the ultrasound. He didn't go towards the end when it, I, it was kind of in that pattern of going bi-weekly. He, he wasn't so much then, but he I think he went to all of the first three or four ultrasounds that we had. You, you went several times with me to the OB. Was there ever a, a point in her pregnancy where you felt connected to the baby? Like before Shia was born? Um, yeah, when I, when I could see that there was a baby in there. Yeah. Like, without having to look at technology. <laughs> okay. So just like actually like seeing like Sarah's belly grow. Like, yeah, that's you know, and that's then, a really big, and also I think part of it is seeing the struggle of, of someone physically struggle carrying, you know, it's a, it's, it's a tall task. And so you want to, you know, if you have any compassion at all, even though for the, until we got there, we were kind of enemies, you know, she was, she, her only concern was protect for this unborn child and I was kind of a threat to that because my attitude wasn't in the right place. Derek, you shared that the first couple of months were difficult for you guys. What was the turning point? I think, you know, a combination of having the right family members and friends and um, therapy. We went to therapy, you know, and uh, just... uh, None of the options were good options, so I just kind of did the right thing and and came around, and it initially was an act. I was just like trying to save my marriage, and eventually I figured out that in doing so, I was losing my marriage because she was gonna do what was right for this baby inside of her, come hell or high water. It was like, you know, you can go to hell, you can be damned, you can do whatever you want, but me and this baby are going to have a life. You yeah. can you can be a part of it or not. And I was like, well, shit. I tried to play hardball and that didn't that backfired, so I went along. Yeah. And then and then you know, watching um her hang in there and then kind of accept me back in as no longer a threat th- through all of these it just took time and and effort on my part and openness on her part and I just kind of fell in love with the experience she was going through and um it's it's the Mike's harder limit <laughs> yeah uh getting a little choked up you're making me get choked you up know too. and and seeing somebody labor like not in labor yet but just labor for uh as the baby grows yeah yeah, yeah. so So this is like such an interesting dynamic because I'm just like watching like Sarah's sensitivity like to hear this story, but also I'm sure this is bringing back a lot of feelings for you. And I wanted to just like sit there for a minute because for moms, we 100% are moms from like the moment we find out that we have a welcomed pregnancy or that we're going to welcome that pregnancy. And when especially when it's the first time like there's totally a shift with the way we see our partners and at it's i think up until that moment like your partner is sort of your number 1 and then there is a shift where it's like my body and my baby are number 1 and he was he he clearly Derek knew and understood that and so Sarah, I just wanted to hear from you a little bit on what it was like for your body. Like you were sick, but like your body was changing, your body was growing. Like there was part of you that was probably like, I may or may not be doing this on my own. Just kind of tell me about what that was like for you to watch your body change and, and see your relationship shift. 
I so it was a struggle and a half for me because I I am the kind of person I'm on the go I get things done and pregnancy was probably one of the greater learning lessons for me in life of slowing down and being more open and receptive to things in life um, I was not ready to accept the limitations of my body um, at that point I was used to running miles I was used to working really hard working putting in many hours and then when you're pregnant there's so many physical limitations that you have so that was a really hard thing for me to accept and I'm struggling with that with this pregnancy too um but it was also an amazing learning lesson for me in life in taking things slow and you don't always have to be so achievement oriented so that was hard that was um, something to juggle. And then the other thing is, is when I finally got out of first trimester and was feeling better and was seeing my belly grow, that was just a really cool and wild experience to me. Um, and so the second trimester was definitely my friend. Uh, so do you remember when Shia, like you felt Shia start moving and kicking for the first time? I was about 18 weeks, I think. Okay. And it was pretty damn cool. Yeah. And then as she's growing, and, and I feel like the second and third trimester, you're just growing so fast, and you observe it even more at that point, and you, they're just moving all around constantly, and so it was just, it was really cool to feel a, a human inside of you, so I've never experienced that before. Yeah, so now, today, how many weeks pregnant are you right now? I, Wednesday, I will be right at the seven months, so is that 28 weeks? Mm -hmm. So you're getting ready to transition into that third oh, yeah. trimester. Yeah. And how are you feeling right now? Because um, you look amazing. I, I, feel, I feel huge and uncomfortable. <laughs> For everyone listening, she is not huge. <laughs> Uncomfortable, um, maybe. So, and I, I've, I've had to slow down even more. So, again, another learning experience and slowing down in life for me. Yeah. Somebody told me recently that the journey to um, parenthood sometimes it comes um, when you're trying to get pregnant, like that you learn the lesson that you, we are in control of nothing. And then um, sometimes we get pregnant easily or when we're not expecting to, and we learn that we're not in control. And then other people say that they learn it while they're pregnant and their bodies are growing and they can't do the things that they once could do. Um, and then when all that goes smoothly, well, shit, you learned that lesson in parenthood. <laughs> so <laughs> it comes. So I thought that was really neat to see like, you know, like sometimes we get that lesson really early. And yeah, I'm definitely we, in the third category. Yeah, <laughs> I have to be in it. <laughs> yes, to, to have it. Okay, so let's kind of jump forward to the end of your pregnancy. Were you guys in a good space? Um, your marriage was it in a good space by the end of your pregnancy and by the time you were your labor was approaching. From what I can remember, I think we were we were. We had gone through a series of couples therapy and um, yeah, I, I think we were in a much better place at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Now, I would probably chime in and agree because labor will kind of dig into the deepest part of your soul and kind of bring out a lot of emotions. And um, if you go into your labor not in a good place, your labor and delivery are going to reflect that. And I think that you had a beautiful labor and a beautiful delivery and you guys were very supportive of each other. Um, so it's awesome to hear that you kind of moved through this difficult circumstance, did all the things, like how many people don't go to counseling and don't go to church and don't talk to your friends, so like, and don't talk to each other. So like did all the things, put the baby up here on a pedestal where she belongs and kind of move together. And now let's talk about like the day you went into labor because it was awesome. <laughs> and I want you to tell everybody all about it. So I do like yeah, there you go. So Derek, you start. So from your perspective, what is it, what did it look like the early beginning stages? Like when Sarah was like, okay, this is happening. Uh, 
as we tried to figure out on the way here, I I remember it being like a little after midnight when she woke up and said, I'm in labor. And I was like, wow, it's going to be a long night. And then uh, it was like five or six hours later that uh, we felt it was okay to call you and see what we should do. Or, I, you know, we knew it was going to be a long time before we could go to the hospital. So I think it was, uh, you know, around six seven o'clock hour that we called you and you came over and helped her just kind of hang in there walk around take a bath and uh you know but it was her pain tolerance is not the greatest so i think that those first um what do we call them again contractions yes (laughs) as Derek's moving his hands in and out around his belly (laughs) so yeah it was intense I mean I could tell something big was happening and uh you know but I also knew from all of your coaching and that it was still going to be a really long time before we could go and do anything about it uh so I just tried to stay calm and act like this is exactly what's supposed to be happening and wait for you to get there. (laughs) (laughs) So Sarah, do you agree with the midnight timeline? Like what was the conversation in the car coming here? Roughly in in, around that time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what were the first signs of labor for you? It was just uh, cramping. Okay. In the back, in the front, like where do you remember Just feeling all it? in the lower abdomen and lower back. Okay. What, some people describe it as like a really bad period cramp. Yeah, it was, I, I remember the, the word I would use for it is it was an annoyance to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, an annoying little cramp. So were you able to go to sleep that night? I wasn't. No, no so you were up all night. Yeah. So yeah. Um, to anyone who's listening, uh, go to sleep. In early labor, <laughs> or try. Yeah. Um, so, how did you just lay down in bed? Like, what did you do from midnight until seven in the morning? Well, I remember going upstairs to the guest room and just kind of flipping back and forth, and then finally just going down. I recall it being about four, four thirty. I'm not sure what what you remember, Derek, but it just it was just getting worse, and I felt alone upstairs so I I just wanted comfort from him so I yeah so then you came back down a lot of women will say that they want to be alone at the very beginning yeah just kind of get like their mind centered um and then at some point then we reach for you know support so all of that like naturally makes tons of sense yeah do you remember early labor like how far apart your contractions were I have no idea okay so I don't, I didn't know if you remember. So around like seven o'clock in the morning or so, like I remember I got there. Um, but how did that day like unfold for you guys? I mean, you know, (laughs) I was thinking that given she was having some sort of contractions, whether or not she felt like it was officially going into labor or whatever around midnight. And then we were up all night just waiting for you waiting for the appropriate hour to call Heidi and get you over there <laughs> and uh, and then you got there and in my head I'm thinking okay so you know we've been doing this for six seven eight hours now there's no way possible that uh, we're still going to be doing this and at the hospital when the Panthers play on Thursday night for the first game of the year so I, you know, my head was a little bit there. I was like, this is great timing. We're going to knock this out, get home, and have our new baby, and, you know, have a lot going on, but the game will be on in our home. And that wasn't, that wasn't how it panned out. Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, 
packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. Sarah, let's go back because by the time I got there and we did you know, a lot of walking and squatting and like got in the tub and all of that kind of thing. And, uh, but I remember having to have the conversation with you to say, um, you aren't that far along. And I don't know if you remember this, but I was like, if something were happening, things would be coming out of you. Yeah. (laughs) Like I was like, um, so for those listening in, in labor as active labor approaches, and it picks up as your cervix softens and dilates, uh, things leave your body. So I know that was a long day for you. Do you remember like some of the things that you did that helped you just cope with the the first day of labor? So I remember probably several months before going into labor, I, I continuously listened to pain management guided imagery. And so I remember just constantly visualizing uh, what I was, just the guided imagery that I had used. And then for you, you you had taught me how to do that breathing. I call it the primal breath. Uh, so when you're having the contraction and having that really was helpful as well. Um, and I remember that morning just being in the tub and walking around the neighborhood. I found that to be very helpful too. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly for me, and particularly going through labor, was that pain management uh, imagery that I could recall. Yeah. So earlier, Derek was like, Sarah's pain tolerance is like super <laughs> low. I wanted to strangle you. I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't know how Sarah feels about that. But from a doula's perspective, who's seen a couple hundred women deliver their babies, like Sarah is. Woo. I mean, you handled every single contraction like so in control. And so calm that I would say quite the opposite, that her pain tolerance is quite high. I kind of agree you know? with that. Now, now that you put it that way, I guess I guess that where that was coming from is the fact that I know how she feels at all times. Yeah. I am made aware of how she feels and if it's subpar in any way. Yeah. So, But that's to say nothing of the degree of pain which she can tolerate because you're probably right about that. Yeah. So Sarah was verbalizing that she was not comfortable, right? Right. But like if it's between, if it's hotter than 76 or colder than 68, (laughs) then it's either freezing or just smoldering volcano Uh, of death. Yes. Especially (laughs) when you're pregnant. How dare you put the thermostat above 70 (laughs) ever if a woman is pregnant? Uh, Maybe even 68, I would say. No need to go above 68 during pregnancy. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So at some point that evening, what happened? I know we decided to transition to the hospital. It had been um, almost 24 hours of labor at that point and really... I could tell that things weren't kind of progressing to that next stage of labor. Like I would like to see them unfold. I remember being in the car. I think it was around lunchtime that we were going to the hospital and, oh, it was terrible. I had the worst contractions in the back seat, And I remember being hunched over the back seat, and Derek was just so focused getting us to the hospital and I believe you had arrived at the hospital before we did Um, because I remember walking in with you so Derek could go park the car Yeah, and we went to triage and I remember the most disappointing thing in triage was when she checked my cervix and it was only one centimeter yes and, and I was pretty devastated. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was in active labor, I felt. And I was like, this baby's going to come soon. And, and then one centimeter. And I just remember crying and crying when, when she said that. Yeah. So you were in active labor. Uh-huh. And let's get into it. Can we get into why? Sure. Okay. I was like, I didn't know if you were. Oh, yeah. This. No, yeah. So let's get into why. Because this is a huge lesson for anyone out there. And Sarah, just take over. Tell everybody what you had been diagnosed with and the procedure that you had had. Sure, sure. Long before pregnancy, 
Yeah, so when I was, I believe I was 17, they had found some cancer cells on my cervix. And so what they did was, I believe it was called cryotherapy. They essentially just burned off the cancer cells. And apparently at that point, there was scar tissue that was formed on my um, cervix. And so then when I got pregnant, and I don't know... I guess maybe it was just miscommunication with the doc. I wasn't aware that there was scar tissue on my cervix. And so essentially my cervix wasn't dilating because of the scar tissue. And that's the extent of what I know with, with what was going on on with my innards. Yeah. And there is another procedure also the leap procedure. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I think where they actually cut a part of the, um, cervix out sure and to get the the cancer cells out and that can also cause scar tissue so it's really important if anyone's listening that's had either of these procedures done and here it is 10 15 years later and you don't even think to remember that that happened it can have a significant impact on your labor and so at that moment they were you know telling um you that you were only one centimeter dilated, but you had been having really strong, hard contractions for a long time and clearly were upset. I just, at that moment, I'll never forget, I, I felt like all of my willpower just went out of the window because I, I felt like I was using this visualization and I was trying to be tough and I was trying to push through the contractions and then it was just so discouraging for me to hear that you're only one centimeter dilated. I had this thing in my uh, this thought in my mind like oh I I have to be eight centimeters or I have to you know I have to be pretty progressed and and then when I heard one I'm like no this this is this can't she she needs to get back in there and and measure again (laughs) so um so yeah and and I guess at that point what helped me through that is I remember you mentioning to me before when we had met before labor um to keep an open mind. And that was another thing that I had been meditating on for a while um, before going into labor, like several months before going into labor of, I am going to choose to go through this, this experience with an open mind. So this is what I would like to happen. But if it doesn't, I'm just going to try and go with it. So that I had to remind myself in that moment to, to think back to that. Yeah. So, Derek, we get checked into the room after triage and you get delivered the news, too, that Sarah hasn't really progressed that much. What were you thinking? I know that it's she appeared to be in a lot of pain. And so it felt like it should be close, like to the end. You know, the more severe the pain gets, she she couldn't even hardly walk to the she couldn't walk to the room. I guess they took a they did the wheelchair thing and you know to me that meant should be near the end so you know that that's hard to hear yeah sometimes it's really hard to be a doula for your friends too because I remember having a moment with you guys that I don't have with all my clients because there's a difference between pain and suffering and I think that when they delivered that news to Sarah she had been so strong and was like, oh, rocking this natural childbirth. But then she hit this wall that she had absolutely no control over and that nobody had pre-warned her that this was a possibility. And then when you said, like, you just felt defeated, you know, I felt that with you too. And I remember having the conversation with you about using the epidural as a medical intervention um, to be able to get maybe out of suffering so that you could go back to a space where you felt strong and confident and rested for the rest of your labor. And um, and I remember the doctor explaining to you that the procedure that needs to be done, which is massaging the cervix to break apart that scar tissue, would be much more comfortable with an epidural. And so I just wanted to check in with you right then from someone who was open um, but had been rocking a natural childbirth. And kind of just tell me like what you were thinking when uh, the the birth plan changed. I remember uh, when the doctor came in and explained that it was going to be pretty damn uh, painful to go through that procedure. I think at that point in time, that was validation for me that 
okay, it's okay. Because I think I sort of had a dream in my mind that I would be able to do a natural birth. And at that point in time, I was in so much damn pain that I was just, I was okay with going down the epidural route and, and getting that over and done with. So, yeah. So tell me about getting the epidural. Like, was it a good experience? You know, oh, it was, was bliss. It, it was awesome. Okay. It was, it so was bliss. The, do you remember it? Like the anesthesiologist coming in and kind of what they did to place the epidural? Because I do. some people listening are like interested in getting an epidural, but don't know what that looks like. Yeah, I, it was, it, I felt like it took a while for him to come in, but I, I have to get, say that with a grain of salt because I was in so much pain at that point. So I really genuinely don't know how long it took for him to come in, but um, it was pretty fast acting. It They had to give me two epidurals um, because I could still feel half of my body was still, half of my body I could still feel. So I think, and Derek, you might be a better... Um, yeah, I just remember he said when he said that this is this procedure is going to be worse than childbirth. So I would recommend. I was like, yes, let's do the drugs and. Uh, and the procedure is not the epidural. The procedure the, is the actual like massaging of the, the cervix, scar yeah. tissue off or whatever. Yeah, and so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then they suckered me into watching because somebody has to watch apparently. And this needle is enormous, so. Maybe I shouldn't say that to everybody. No, it's fine. I mean, to all the moms listening, the needle goes into your back, so you're not looking at it. I just had to stand there and see this big thing. I didn't want any part of that. And then later, when she had to do it again, I was like, "You guys have plenty of staff here. I'm going to go outside. I don't. I'm not going to watch this a second time." Which was hours, what, six, seven hours later, whenever it was. But I, it was. yeah, Sarah, it's an ordeal. So, how long between the first epidural and the second epidural? I don't know. Okay, it was a while though because they yeah. placed it, and then you realized, "Hello, I'm only numb on one side of yeah. my body." Like, yeah. so then they came back. But once they placed the second epidural, which this doesn't happen a lot, people that are listening, <laughs> this is very rare. Yeah, I know. Um, but they came back into the second one, and then you were fully numb. Could you feel your feet and your legs? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. I had the best sleep, too. Okay. So <laughs> I, I was exhausted. Yay. So the epidural goes in, and you go to sleep. Because mm-hmm. it is now what time? It's late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You left. Thank you. I was going to get to that. <laughs> Let me explain to our audience. There is this thing called nursing, and... I was nursing my baby still, and it was late at night, and so I couldn't stay through the night. And so once the epidural was placed, I thought, Sarah's going to sleep. I'll go home and go to sleep, and then I'll just come back for the birth. But that happened a little sooner than (laughs) I thought it was. So anyway, usually I attend all of the births of my dual clients, but this happened to be during my sabbatical, my maternity leave. Will you have it? And I was still nursing, so I am apologetic. Well, and to, to be fair, birth. there wasn't a whole lot to do. She was out, and I was, there's nothing for me to do. I wasn't anxious about anything, so it wasn't. So everybody goes, to, like, I go home, I go to sleep. Sarah goes to sleep. Did you go to sleep, Derek? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so everybody was asleep. And I, if I remember correctly, this is like 10-ish at night, right? 10, 11. It was late. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was late. Yeah. It was 10 or 11 at night. Yeah. So maybe even midnight. It was it was late. It was, yeah. Um, so everybody goes to sleep. And then I'm gone. So I, I've, I don't even know the end of this story. So tell me what happens. I think it was about 6 in the morning I woke up in a lot of pain. And I remember pressing the button and pressing the button for the drugs. And I'm like, I feel I feel it. I'm feeling everything right now. <laughs> and, and I remember the nurse, I, the nurse came in and I, I said, I'm pressing the button and I can I'm in so much pain. And she's like, baby, we had to cut it off so you could feel your contractions. And I'm like, no, turn it back on. <laughs> um, this is also called transition. OK, so when. Uh, many times when you have an epidural and you feel all the feels, including the vomit feels and the nausea and the waves of out of control, um, welcome to transition. Yeah. So it's like six something in the morning. You're transitioning. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, is Derek still sleeping? 
Mm-hmm. Oh no! No, you you're were... wide awake. Oh yeah, I don't. Okay. I only sleep six hours a night on a regular night. So I was up at five. I, you know, I, I remember watching the sun come up oh, the window in our uh, hospital room, and I like took a photo of the sunrise, and I like got all just you know poetic, and just because I was like, what you know, we went through a hell of a day yesterday, and no matter what happens, we're gonna have our daughter today somehow some way we're gonna have her in a few hours and i just got really i was just excited you know and uh and then she woke up within a half hour of when i did and then you know um all the craziness ensued so what happened i this was something (laughs) that i never knew i never knew I would, my body would be shaking so much and that I would be vomiting. <laughs> I, I, you remember, I, I don't remember the vomiting. I, yeah, I looked away it for was, that. was, I remember someone holding a pa- plastic cup and I was shaking and then the doctor would say push and then shaking and turning my head to, to vomit. And, um, I, I, I think I only jumped in there to like hold hands and do what you're supposed to do when it got really and when it was like near the end and I needed it was clear that I was needed (laughs) (laughs) I remember you holding one of my knees back yeah once it was like you know I knew we were seconds or minutes away at the most I was in there I was like I'm gonna experience this yeah because I mean was anybody else in the room with you guys besides the medical staff? Like any family couple members? Couple nurses? No, um, it was just T and I. Okay, so just the two of you guys. Okay, Derek, did you watch? Like, did you look yeah, down there? She still can't believe it because I'm so, you know, kind of modest and like I hate <laughs> just anything, fluids. <laughs> and, and you, you know, this is how it's done. I didn't design it. And uh, I want to see, you know, this is my one chance. <laughs> Uh, so I love that you watch those. Sarah, did you have a mirror? Did you watch? I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Because sometimes, like, they'll have you feel the head as it's coming out mm-hmm. or look or anything. So you, did you just have your eyes closed while you were pushing? Well, the whole time I was pushing, I was doing my visualization for okay. pain management. And um, <laughs> it worked. It worked. Um, and I just, I was so damn tired so tired at that point that I I just wanted it over and done with. Yeah. Well, there was one point that it was just an incredible burning sensation. And I remember my best friend telling me that Derek, I remember my best friend saying that it was something like the ring of fire or something. I can't remember. And oh my gosh, I just, I was, I was happy for it to be over with. Yeah. So when she emerged, like usually the head comes out first and then like a shoulder and then the rest of the body. Did you watch that whole thing unfold, Derek? Like, did you watch her head come out first and then kind of watch the whole body? I think I just took a little peek, but somehow squeezing a hand and just being there and like touching them is a big deal. And so I was just doing that and focused on that and just praying that it was over soon, but also knowing that all this is normal and natural and everybody that's you know knows and has seen this before is calm so i should be calm too so i was you know more or less fine and excited to see shia emerge and like told myself the whole time leading up you know throughout pregnancy and everything people ask me and people that know me are like well yeah derek's gonna he's not gonna look if he's even in the room at all and but and that's kind of was my thinking but then when it happens it's just like you gotta just peripheral vision or even and i ended up even looking for a second and it was just like crazy and then you just it's just tears streaming down and it's uh, such a monumentous you know moment and seconds in time that you can never redo so i was like i gotta you know, yeah. capitalize on that. <laughs> and giving like the beginning of this, this story, like I imagine that that moment, that birth moment was like very healing for both of you guys. Like you seemed very bonded during that labor, very committed to each other during that labor. 
And um, I can only, I wasn't there for the actual birth, but I can only imagine like seeing your daughter for the first time. And um, it feels to me talking to you that that must have been like a really therapeutic moment for Mm -hmm. both of you guys in your marriage. I think for me, I remember him being on my left side and just looking up at him and knowing I was safe. That was that was the therapeutic healing for me that he is in this with me and things are just really terrible and painful right now. And he is right beside me. Yeah. Holding one of my legs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your birth story. And before you go, I ask everybody the same question. Tell me about your favorite baby product. So if somebody was pregnant right now, well, you're pregnant right now, and you're like going on baby list or doing your registry, like what is something that is like a must have that you want to share with other other parents? You must have a Tapachino. Uh, it is. Um, I love the name. It is. <laughs> it was that pad that we had that's about an inch thick and oval. Someone gave it to me okay, and it helps you because I was so nervous holding a newborn and passing her back and forth. So it's kind of like a mini mattress that you hold while you're holding the newborn and it makes it easier to pass the baby from person to person. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes for anyone that's That is a must have. Made me very confident holding because, you know, with the limbs feels very scary. But like with that thing makes gives you the confidence to just hold them. And I would say, you know, um, for what it's worth, the experience sharing it the first time with you, even while you were juggling others, um, you know, that that it was more of a business relationship with. And I'm sure by the end of it, they're all personal relationships. But you you chose to be our doula because of our relationship and had a lot to juggle. And then, you know, doing it again this time around. It's um, it's really, I don't know. It just means a lot f- for somebody to go through it with you that is very passionate and interested and curious in a genuine way. And so I just think it's great that you do this and that you s- care so much about it that you do a podcast to sit and talk about it for people to listen to and learn from. And it's an honor to be here and, and do this and talk about it with you. Thanks. Yes. I'm so excited to be at your birth too. And you have to promise me that you'll come back in May and tell everybody about baby number two. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Ivy. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 